We are starting into a series last week. Uh, I believe we're calling this mission-minded. Uh, we're talking a little bit about what it bees, is to be an individual, to be a congregation uh, that is on mission. Um, have any of y'all ever found a tire that looked anywhere similar to this on your vehicle? I have had times when I could hardly afford ramen noodles, much less putting new tires on the road. Uh, and in fact, lots of times mine have cords showing before they actually get through. But what is that an example of? What, what, why do tires wear in patterns that aren't even? Why? It's out of line or what we call out of alignment. And if you wear out too much, you might have a what? A blowout, right? Well, spiritually, we need to realign as well. Mission-minded Christians understand the centrality of the gospel. In Genesis 1.1, we read, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, that's the beginning as we know it, but it's not really the beginning of the story. The beginning of the story also starts with God. The beginning of the gospel even starts, as Scripture tells us, before the laying of the foundation of the world. We have good news that God not only created everything there is, and you in particular, but he created you to be in communication with him. A few verses down, verse 27, we read, So God created man in his own human image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Each of them with a soul that's exactly the same as the other. And when we think about this as being in his image, we're not really talking about he's as ugly as I am. What we're really talking about is the ability to think, the ability to reason, the ability to manipulate our environment. This morning, how cold was it when you got up? Was it cold enough that you felt a blessing from God that he allowed you to manipulate the environment? Yes. He also gave us the ability to emote, to have that feeling that is deep within our soul. You do realize that everyone lives forever, don't you? That that soul is eternal? Really, it's not a matter of will we live forever or not. It's a matter of where we will live. God told Adam and Eve that they can have anything they wanted in the garden except one thing. Have you ever told a kid that they can do all of this but not that? And what is it they want to do? That, right? They could not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, yet knowing full well God's instruction, they ate it anyway. Sin enters the world, and, and in its 
most simple definition, sin is man doing his own thing instead of God's. And there are consequences to his actions. And those consequences also came into existence. Over in chapter 3, we read, To Adam he, God said, Because you listened to your wife and you ate from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you will eat of it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food until you return to the ground. Since from it you were taken, for dust you are, and to dust you will return. What do we know about that? Our bodies, physical bodies, will decay. And there it is. Death enters our existence from the result of sin and the fires of hell became a reality for the unrepentant. Adam's sin, his disobedience, affected all mankind. And it is still in effect today. Now, understand, Adam died because he of his free will chose to go against God and do what God told him not to do. And friends, he died for his sin. You die for your sin. We all have been given that free choice from God. And he knew when he gave it to us that we would exercise it, which is why he came in the flesh. That separation was really not God's intention, and he still wants us to be connected and to be in relationship with him. The problem is sin, disobedience has to be dealt with. And that's where the cross comes in. Where through his own flesh, through the cutting of his own body, through the shedding of his own blood, we are made right with him. 1 Corinthians 15, we read this, Paul speaking, For I received what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scripture, that he was buried, he was raised on the third day according to the scripture, and that he appeared to Peter and then the twelve. And he also appeared to Mary in the garden. And he appeared to the two disciples that were walking on the road to Emmaus. And he appeared to the apostles who were gathered in a room that was shut. And somehow he was there. And he appeared to Paul. And he appeared to 500 other people all at the same time. Paul tells us very clearly that Christ died to pay for our sin and he rose to conquer death. And he said, and we are witnesses of that resurrection, including 
himself. Mission-minded people, Christians, understand clearly how to communicate this central message of the gospel. That God loves you. He has always loved you. And he is pursuing a loving relationship with you through Jesus the Christ. Seven scriptures I've written down there for you that we're going to look at that give us a very quick little roadmap that we can use to talk to people about this simple gospel. The first one you know, Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. What does all mean? All means, and that's all all means. Yet when you are talking with somebody and presenting and helping them to understand scripture, do you know what all means in that moment? Me too. I have fallen short of the glory of God. This is mankind's story. It is Adam's story. It is all our story. Romans 6.23 should be no surprise to you. I've been saying it since I got here too. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. In other words, we all earn death. And we die because we sin. We go against God. The next verse, John 3, 3. Now, John 3, that ought to be telling you something, right? John 3, 16, one of the best-known verses in all of the Bible, especially in the New Testament, right? Jesus says in reply to Nicodemus, I tell you the truth that no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. In other words, the only escape from sin is for us to have a rebirth, for us to be reborn. You will remember a couple of weeks ago, I talked about baptism. And I talked about the fact that the Jews baptized proselytes, those that were Gentile, into the national, nationality of being a Jew. They understand and understood that this baptism had a definite change, a preformative change. We talked about how at that moment in time, any time before that baptism, if a man had a debt, it was wiped out because he was a different man after the baptism. Anything owed to him, it was wiped out. His firstborn under the covenant of Abraham would be whoever was born after that baptism. We talked about that. And friends, every member of the Sanhedrin would have known exactly about Jewish proselyte baptism, about what that was. That's the background of what's being talked about here. Nicodemus, I suspect, hadn't reached the point of realizing that he needed to be baptized. Or he did, and he was deflecting from what Jesus was saying. But the Jews clearly understood the idea of rebirth. They expected the Gentiles to do that if they wanted to be a Jew. 
Why did Jesus have to die? There's a very short answer to that. John 14, 6. Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. What's he saying? You can only get there through me. And in those moments in that upper room, they still didn't understand what he meant. But he became the sacrificial lamb. He became the lamb of atonement. He's the one who paid for our sins through his blood. So Jesus is the only way to God. For scripture teaches us there is no forgiveness without the shedding of blood. And when God cut this covenant, he cut it in his own body. In the blood of sacrifice, the blood of covenant. So if Jesus is the only way to God, what does that demand of us? Acts 2.38 Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sin and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Peter tells us very clearly that it's not the water. It's the condition of the heart, and it's Christ. It's the resurrection. It's Christ in the waters that saves us. So what we're told on that first day of the church is we have to repent and realign ourselves with God, and that realignment begins with baptism, and yet a babe of one day old still has a lot to learn. And they're going to go through life and they're still going to make mistakes. But the general trajectory is going to be towards the cross, towards the Christ, towards the Lord. That's realignment. Baptism is only the first step. But that realignment is something that we have to do every day. Because we are now fundamentally different because of the blood of Christ. That leads us to 2 Corinthians 5.15. And Christ died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. We've talked about the definition of Lord. Lord is one who has undisputed possession of a person or a thing. This is where the rubber hits the road. Because realignment includes obedience to God's will. Baptism, if nothing else, is is it's an act of obedience. It's a first act of, of lordship. It's a lot more than that. But it's at least that. It's an act of obedience. But true obedience is when we realign ourselves to God's way of living in everything we do. When we take those things that we call our values and we actually use them to make every decision we make in life. When we choose to pursue him instead of to pursue things for ourselves. When we choose to think of him and to speak of him 
instead of speaking of other things. This leads us to Revelation 3, 19 and 20. Those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. Remember rebuking? I know that's a negative word to us. We've talked about this already. It's actually a positive thing. It's that idea of mentorship where a mentor comes alongside of you and says, hey, you did that wrong, but you need to do it that way. Get with the program in a loving way. Those who I love, I rebuke and discipline, so be earnest and repent. Here I am, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. Do you hear what that metaphor is? We will share life together. Remember in that day and time, you didn't sit down to a meal with an enemy because if you did, that created a bond. And what is Jesus saying? You who are my enemy, when you come to me freely, I will sit down and I will bond with you because I love you and I love you enough to die for you. A love relationship with God is available to anyone willing to act on this good news. Now, these seven scriptures, they lay out a very good tool that we can use to talk to somebody about the essence of the good news. Now, I'm not saying this is the one peace you should always go to this when you go through these seven scriptures you know heaven and earth are going to shake and and walls are going to fall down and everybody you talk to is going to go hallelujah I'm saved that's not going to happen but if you don't really have the words or sometimes you get tongue tied friends it's easy when somebody's looking to pull up scripture and say let's look at this These seven scriptures, if you use them, can remind you of the simple gospel and all of those elements. Things that you may have heard, but in that moment, you might forget. But they are good reminders of the different parts of the story. And what I would suggest is you highlight those scriptures in your Bible. So that when you are using your Bible, you have them right there on the page. I would also suggest that you, in talking with somebody, turn to the page, hand them the Bible, the highlight is there, and you say, read that verse for yourself. Read it out loud. And then there's a simple question. What does that say to you? Friends, it's a start of a conversation where you can share some very simple concepts of the faith. When somebody reads that scripture, let's say, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and you go, What does that say to you? And they go, 
I got three words for you. You know what they are? I don't know. You know what the best response is? Read it again. Well, it says all. What does all mean? All means everybody, including me. We all fall short. You see how this can be a good tool? You know, Scripture tells us that we should take the Word of God and write it on our forehead. We should get it into our thoughts. It should be part of our daily thinking. It should be right here in the front of our mind. It should be part of us. And it's important because mission-minded Christians, missional churches realize that our first priority Our purpose is to tell others about Jesus. I tell you one simple thing you can do is get yourself a pocket Bible. By the way, you can get them in virtually every English translation. If you like Eugene Peterson and the message, get one of those. If you like King James, get one of those. If it's easier for you to read... Uh, the Holman or the English Standard or the, or the New International Version, the NIV, get one of those. I'll even tell you how to mark it up. You go to that first scripture that we talked about here just a second ago. Romans 3.23, you turn to that page, you highlight that, and then you take that book and at the top of the page, upside down, you write the next scripture on it so that it reminds you where you go to next. If you go from um, Romans 3.23, what's the next verse? It's Romans 6.23. You write that upside down. Why? Because you've already given the book to them, so the words are facing them. And by the way, nobody has ever turned down Christ because you wrote upside down in your Bible. Okay? It's just to give you the hint. And if you mark those scriptures, it will give you the path. And I'm not smart enough to come up with this. I learned it from a guy by the name of William Fay. I don't know if you know who he is or not. But William Fay was a pimp and a pornographer. Huge in the adult industry. 20 years ago who came to a saving understanding of the love of Jesus Christ and totally turned his life around and these scriptures are part of what did that what he says is you need to learn how to share Jesus without fear and one way of doing that is to practice it Friends, Jesus did not die to make us comfortable. He died to make us free. To make the whole world free. And yes, if you're not used to talking to other people about your faith, it'll cause you some discomfort. But I I tell you what, If you do it about 3,000 times, it'll eventually become to where it feels pretty normal. Family of God, 
You have what it takes to change the world. Look for divine appointments. Look for where God is already at work and join him in what he is already doing. I want to take just a minute here. I want you to pull that communication card out of your bulletin. Everybody pull it out. I want everybody to take a pen to write your name and write your email up there on the top. I'm going to fill mine out right now. Uh, If you're a first-time guest, you'd like to give us a little bit more information, I'd appreciate you doing that. You don't feel like you have to. Email's perfectly fine. Um, But if you're a first-time guest, we have a table that's just right out here in the commons area. It has an Oakland Drive Christian Church red um, tablecloth on it. And there is a gift out there for you that we'd like for you to take with you today. If you would, fill out the card and just drop it in the basket that's there and pick up one of the books that's there. Uh, There's a Bible there if you'd like that. uh, You can pick up the Bible and pick up the book, but pick up the book. I think you'll find it to be really uh, fascinating reading, and we'd love for you to have that. On the back of the card, got some action steps for you today. I'm going to go over these really quickly. If you notice, it says here, my next step today. How about highlighting those seven scriptures? You've got them right there in your notes, in your Bible. How about taking it in and being willing to practice going through those seven um, ver- uh, verses with somebody at least once this week? And you know what? If you're married or you have kids, you have built-in people you can do this with. Um, I would also suggest that you obtain a pocket Bible, one that you can mark. You know what? I hear some people say exactly what I say. That is, a pocket Bible has got words too small for me to read. It ain't for you. It's for somebody that God's going to put in your way but something the scriptures you can carry around with you. Now, I know a lot of y'all do what I do, and you carry your scriptures right here, okay? If you do that, then you need to memorize these seven verses. Uh, If you want to do that, that's fine too, but you can still highlight it in your favorite translation in your pocket, Bob, in your uh, electronic Bible. Uh, Two things there on the bottom. Uh, Remember, we got game night coming up. Uh, this Saturday, if you want to mark that, if you're going to be here, just so we've got a, a kind of an idea of the number that's going to be here. Also, um, Senior Saints meeting this Friday at noon, uh, lunch and a movie, the movie Hoovy. Uh, from what I hear, it's a great movie. I've done a little bit of research, but I haven't seen it myself. I plan on watching it for the first time this Friday. If you're going to be here for Senior Saints, just in that comment section, write Senior Saints on there. And we'll make sure that your name's in the pot so that you don't go hungry on Friday. But please be sure to do that. Then on the right side, important. um, 
you want to sit and talk with somebody about what it means to be a believer, you want to learn more about baptism or church membership, uh, why don't you mark that? I'll, I'll get a chance to look at the cards. If, if, if I can, I'll, I'll get a hold of you or I'll make sure it gets passed on to the, to the correct person. But everybody, if you would, please fill this out. And uh, you can turn it in as we sing this last song here. Uh, we, we, we will be collecting an offering. Those of you visiting with us, give your offerings where you normally go. This is really for, for the people that are here and committed here. Um, but please... Put your card in the communion bag, as, I mean, in the offering bag as it goes around. And first-time visitors, if you'd like to drop yours off at the table and pick up a gift, please do that. These seven verses that we talked about that are there on your sheet really is a good way to look at the essence of the good news about Jesus Christ. Are you going to ignore it Or are you going to confirm it? It's your choice. Jesus came to give you freedom, my friend. But that gift only matters if you're willing to act on it. Act on what you've heard and realign yourself with him. Father God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for Andy and Alan and Bob and their willingness to give of themselves in a, in a big way and to step up and to become formal servant leaders in this congregation. And we pray, Father, for them and for their families. And we know, Father, you're going to use them in a mighty way. Father, I know that you want to use everybody here in a mighty way. And it may not seem mighty in the moment. But we know, Father, every time that your word goes out, it does not come back void. And we know, Father, that it is your desire that every soul you created would recognize you and accept you as Savior and make them Lord of your, their life. And we thank you, Father, for the divine appointments you're going to put in our path and give us the courage through your Spirit to speak the good news in the good name of Jesus. As we stand and sing, Father, bless these moments. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you have a decision you want to make today, this is the time. But stand and sing with me if you would, please.